Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from the founder of a multi-million dollar international interactive toy product on the evolving sales channels to sell your product as a growing hardware startup. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Ben Drury to the show. Ben is the founder of Yodo Play, a connected hardware toy product for kids. Yodo has sold almost 500,000 units worldwide in just a few years of explosive growth. Today, Ben is going to share some valuable knowledge from vendors, hardware startups, small manufacturers, and e-commerce brands on the five different sales channels of selling hardware products, how a hardware startup evolves through those channels, and how to maximize their sales growth just like Ben did with Yodo. Now, onto the episode. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin, it's fantastic to be back again. Well, a lot's happened since we talked to you. I guess it was about a year and a half ago. You were nearing 50,000 units in sales, and now you've 10x that in the time since to almost a half a million units sold worldwide. Yeah, we're nearly there. When you said it was a year and a half ago, I blew my mind because it felt like way more than that. A lot has happened. It's been a crazy time, but Yodo's doing great and we're still growing nicely. That's amazing. And for anyone who wants to check it out, that was episode 85. We talked there about how to go from crowdfunding to then scaling up your business and sales after crowdfunding. And now we're going to talk about the evolution of the sales process, starting from crowdfunding and then evolving to direct to consumer selling on your website and then layers beyond that, which Ben will get into. Really looking forward on your new physical hardware product and seeing what happens when I design, engineer, build this thing, get it to production. How do I sell? And Ben's been through the whole gamut now. Now, five different sales processes, which really occur in a specific order. And he's going to talk about those different sales channels today and those which have led Yodo to being such a successful product. But before we get into it, Ben, just give us a bit of a background on how you got to where you are today and talk a bit about what Yodo is. Yeah, thanks. So we did the classic Kickstarter thing. We did that in December 2017. I remember it was, yeah, it was around this time, five years ago, that we closed the Kickstarter campaign. The Yodo product is an audio product for kids. We have a connected speaker for children that they use physical interactions to trigger playback of music, stories, podcasts, radio stations, all fantastic audio for kids. Yeah, we launched on Kickstarter and then we spent 2018 pretty much making the first generation product, which was very manual. I think we only had around 250 orders from the Kickstarter campaign, so it was kind of modest. And we ended up selling around 750 units in total. We made that very manually up in north of the UK in Sheffield. And I always joked that it felt as much work to create that first 750 units as it was to do the next 100,000 units when we weren't doing the manufacturing. <laughs> that helped us raise a bit of money. And then we started working on the what we call internally V2, the version two of the player. And we brought on board Pentagram, the design agency. They helped us with the industrial design. And we had some amazing electronics engineers working with us. And then we, we did production in China. And we started shipping that version in February 2020 in the UK. And then June 2020 in the US. That one, we just started off purely on the website. Remember, it was COVID in 2020. So pretty much all the other channels were kind of closed to us anyway. So we just started selling on the website. We'd built up a decent audience already for the product. So we had some kind of latent demand. And then we launched, our second channel was to launch on Amazon. 
And we went through that whole journey. So that happened later in 2020. And we continued to build up through 2021. And again, mostly due to COVID, other channels were kind of closed to us. Classic retail channels, wholesale channels were closed to us. But this year in 2022, those channels have started to open up to us. So we're now on Target.com. We're on Best Buy, MoMA stores. And in Canada, we're in Indigo and Mastermind. And quite a few retail stores are stocking our product now. Amazing. So that's four different channels. Let's break all those down. Basically, you start with crowdfunding, then you went direct sales via your website. Then you moved on to Amazon sales after direct selling through your website. And then now into the retail frontier via mass retail chains. Why do you do it in that order? I think all along the way, it's been a partly choice and partly necessity. So the Kickstarter campaign was amazing for us. It was a very small campaign in general. If you look at some of the you know, million dollar campaigns, ours was fairly modest, I think $50,000 or something. But it was important for us to, it forced us to make certain decisions. It forced us to produce a video. It forced us to do photography. It forced us to come up with pricing and naming and marketing things. You know, It really forces you down a, a tight deadline thing. And I think what I've learned about doing hardware, and I'd never done hardware before Yoto. I'd never worked in any hardware product at all. I'd been doing software and content. You need deadlines with hardware. Otherwise, things just slip and slip and slip and go on forever. So that's what's really great about Kickstarter. It forces you to hit certain deadlines. Although I know a lot of Kickstarter campaigns struggle to deliver, hit their deadlines after the campaign. But when you're running the campaign, if you don't hit the target by the by the date, you, you don't get any money. So that was important for us. Then it was kind of natural for us to start selling on our website because we wanted to really explain the proposition. It wasn't a straightforward gadget. It was something, you know, it was a whole ecosystem we were launching with repeat purchases of content. And we really had to explain it. And it was clear to us we had to go via the website first. And also we had a lot of early adopters. So we had a lot of people that were maybe forgiving of bugs. When we first launched the product, it still had quite a few bugs. If we'd have gone straight to a big retailer with, with a slightly buggy product, would have been annihilated. The returns would have been too high. It would have, would have definitely not progressed. So in a way, we worked with our early adopter customers to iron out all those early issues, try and get the product really ready. The product was not ready for mass market. It took a good year before it was started to be ready for mass market. So that's uh, interesting. You mentioned two big things here. One is that based on your learning from the crowdfunding campaign, you realized that you needed to provide much more information and you could do that via a website to carry somebody through a long description on the website on how your product works, the benefits, all the rest of it. And of course, what a great channel because you can use probably a lot of the assets and a lot of the materials that you develop both on your crowdfunding campaign but also some of the learnings from the crowdfunding campaign to make a really compelling full feature website, which allowed your customers directly to place orders from you. Then the other thing that you've recognized is that because of your early adopters and your early sales through crowdfunding and your website, you realized a number of elements of your product that weren't ready for retail. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with a new hardware company, a new hardware brand, an inventor, whatever else. Everybody imagines like the Walmart edition. They imagine walking through the store shelves and there their product is. So that's one of the first channels that somebody thinks about in terms of how to sell a product. But the reality is, first of all, it's difficult to get into retailers. And we can talk about that in a little bit, especially without any kind of pre-existing sales before it. But really important about what you describe here 
is that your product likely isn't ready for the level of manufacturing and usability scrutiny that will result once you're actually on the shelves of a retailer. That's completely right. And just things like packaging design, for example, if, if you're mostly selling off your website, then you only need a certain level of packaging design. But once you go into retail that, you have to work really, really hard at making sure that packaging not only is attractive to customers who are passing by the aisles, but also hits a lot of the, the regulation compliance stuff that the retailers will demand. And they go above and beyond kind of the statutory regulatory requirements that there are. Yeah, the big retailers have a lot of requirements and a lot of hoops you have to jump through. So I would advise anyone to try and prove out your product first direct. Amazon's always a good place to go second and then and then go for retail. That's not the right strategy for everyone, but it was certainly the right strategy for us. Well, and it's interesting that you added Amazon in there. You use that somewhat as a stepping stone between direct to customer on your website and, of course, the pre existing campaign before that on crowdfunding. Put Amazon in there before you actually went to retail. What was the decision making behind that? And what would you advise to hardware startups when considering moving from direct to consumer sales to direct to consumer sales via Amazon? Yeah, so we really viewed Amazon as a kind of an extension of our direct channel because we are a marketplace seller. So literally anyone can sign up to Amazon. I think you pay $25 a month or something and you can become a marketplace seller. They give you a bunch of tools. Amazon's algorithms and tools are really, frankly, not the easiest to use. And it's taken us you know, a good couple of years to get good at it. But it's open to everyone. You become a marketplace seller. They also operate as a proper retailer. So they have a vendor center when they start actually buying product from you. And that for some people, that's the right route, but you lose control of pricing. The important thing for us is to see our presence on Amazon really is an extension of our own website. So we have our own Amazon brand page. We can set the pricing. We can kind of explain the product, not as well as our website for sure, but pretty well and different to a retailer where you kind of lose control at that point. That's amazing. We went through these processes. What I kind of see is that you're using each of the prior sales channels to amplify the next sales channel. Essentially, you were using your crowdfunding campaign to learn from it. And I think that's one of the other really important lessons here is that even you mentioned Amazon, it took you a while to get used to it and figure it out. You have a continual feedback loop here. So you use your crowdfunding campaign to generate feedback, both on the product and how you're selling it. You created a website, which had more information based on what you learned from selling before. Through that, you're able to use that to leverage Amazon as a platform to get access to even more sales. And now let's talk about that last transition when you went from Amazon to retailers, how much did the sales channels prior to that help in securing the deals to actually get into the retail stores? Oh, massively. And we made some false starts with retailer. We tried to go into retail even back in 2020 when you know COVID was shutting most of them. And we wasted a lot of energy on that. We didn't get very far. It was only really until the end of 2021 where people could start seeing this was a popular product. The retailers monitor Amazon sales and they could see that Yoto was selling quite well and they could see the reviews we were getting, the customer feedback we were getting. And so it gives you a better position of negotiation where you've got something that is in demand. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're the mercy of the buyers and you have no leverage at all. So you kind of want to get to a position of strength where you can try and negotiate terms. That's really interesting. So you actually tried going the retail avenue. It didn't work so well, but no big deal. You continued forging ahead with your plan. You got to the point where you were making more and more sales, and then you used that success 
to reattempt going back to retailers again, but with more ammo in your marketing toolkit. Exactly right. What are some overall lessons that you would give to a hardware startup that are going through this journey in terms of getting a successful relationship with a retailer after they've proven that their business works in other platforms like you did with Amazon, direct website and crowdfunding? Well, the main thing is to prove you've got a product that people want, first of all, supply and demand. If you can prove that, that it fits with the retailer. Uh, that's the other big learning is we did a whole exercise of trying to map our customer base and our brand values, what we stand for, against retailers. And don't go scattergun. one point, we were talking about shaking the tree. Let's just try and go after everyone and we'll see what lands. But actually, no, we, we were a lot more targeted. We needed to see which retailers were the right fit for us, both in terms of our demographics, but also in terms of brand fit. Um, that was an important thing. It kind of works for the retailer if you've got a proposition that fits their demographics as well. That also helps. You go in with the right approach and ideally you get to a point where they're approaching you, not the other way around. That's interesting. So did you have some retailers see your success on Amazon crowdfunding, direct to website sales and reach out to you directly to bring on the product? Yeah. In most cases, it's people that we'd kind of planted the seed with a while ago. We'd sort of made them aware of us and we'd got them on, we'd got on their radar. And then they eventually came back to us. The retailers can operate on very long cycles, like Target and Best Buy are talking about stuff for Christmas, not in 2023. They, they can even be talking about stuff for Christmas 2024. <laughs> and even now, they think long term. And so you kind of need to get in the door, get some awareness early, maybe even if you haven't proven it out almost not expecting to go into those retailers, but just make them aware so that when their meetings, you know, their quarterly meetings or whatever, and, and they check out the cool new brands, they'll remember you and then they'll come to you. I love how you mentioned planting a seed, because if you do this across a number of different contacts that you meet over the years, it doesn't always work out right away. And I think that pairs with your comment about long planning cycles of the actual retailers, because that's a big thing a lot of inventors miss is that they're trying to maybe develop a product really quickly to try and hit some sort of holiday season or whatever it might be. And what you have to realize is that they're planning a year or two or sometimes even three years out for these sorts of cycles. So your job isn't to try and hit some sort of arbitrary target for a specific seasonal event that you want to achieve as a product developer. Your job is to make the best product possible and sell what you can in the methods that you can to build your portfolio to the point where the retailer says, okay. And if you don't land it on the first shot, plant that seed, understand that it's a long sales cycle for these retailers continue to reinforce your business by selling more products and improving the quality of your product, which is something you guys did very early on and probably continue to do so over time. And eventually they'll see both the combination of a product that has got to a very robust state, as well as enough users and buyers that are out there for them to say, you know what, we're missing out as a retailer by not having this in our stores. Now we need to get back into the ring with the inventor and make a deal. Yeah, exactly right. And just to add to that, when you start dealing with the bigger guys, like the targets and the best buyers, you have to be prepared, really be prepared. They're going to want a lot of systems integration. You know, they're dealing with probably hundreds of thousands of suppliers and retailers. And sometimes you have to go through a rep agency. Sometimes you have to go through a distributor. But in any case, one of the things that I think we got lucky with, we just had a great internal team who's done some of this before, but the amount of systems integration work, data feeds, really gnarly stuff 
is super important because the world of retail is changing and target.com for example we're not physically in target stores yet but we're on target.com and it's been doing huge business for us but we're operating under a dropship model so they are actually taking the orders and then we're fulfilling the orders from our fulfillment centers in the US. And that's like a almost like a hybrid model, which wasn't the old way of doing things. The old way of doing things is you send everything into a distribution center and then they send it out. And the beauty about this too is as you scale, especially as you're starting from crowdfunding, where as Ben mentioned, he was doing a lot of the manufacturing himself. Like he said, it was almost just as hard to make 750 units as it was to make 100,000 units in production. Understand that as your business sales scale through these various sales channels, so do your operations. And Ben, obviously, this isn't something that you do alone yourself. As you've been able to scale, you bring on more and more people that can help with these various things. It may seem scary to a new inventor getting their product to market now. But know that over time, you're going to bring on the level of expertise required to enable best practices in a number of these different verticals. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's definitely been a key to our success is to bring on experienced people in both supply chain procurement and operations and logistics, because I had no previous experience of this. this is not something that was natural to me. And navigating the the China supply chain during COVID, and I mean, that's still ongoing. There's still craziness going on in China. And just navigating all of that without some experienced hands, I think it would have been nigh on impossible for us. Well, it's important you mentioned too, that you yourself didn't have the experience there but you've been able to pull it off by bringing the right people on board. And I think that's important for a lot of hardware startups to remember is that you're not going to be the strongest, all these things. A lot of product inventors, especially say, well, I'm not good at marketing or I'm not good at supply chain distribution, or I'm not good at website design or whatever it might be. I'm not good at Amazon or I'm not good at crowdfunding. That's okay. Because many founders will tell you, I would say almost all founders will tell you the exact same story, that they also didn't have the experience in those different elements. But over time, you get more and more people on your ship surrounding this great product idea, which is really the core, the heartbeat of this whole thing, that allows you to create a successful business out of it, just like Ben did with Yodo. That's absolutely right. I mean, I'm astounded when I look at our team, the amount of different things we're doing as a company, we're doing like at least four different types of software. We have software that runs on the hardware. Then we have the software that powers our apps. We have apps that parents use to control the players. We have software that runs a website. And then we have the platform side of the software all runs in the cloud. So four different types of software. In hardware, we have hardware engineering, industrial design, supply chain, and QA and testing and all that kind of stuff. And then on logistics, we have the logistics team and the operations team making sure things move around to the right 3PLs and handling all the customs and the duty and all that kind of stuff. And then we also have content. So people creating content for Yoto and licensing content. And then that's not forgetting all the back office stuff like finance and legal. It's incredible. We're 80 people now as a business. And I still think that that's not many people for all the different things that we're doing. That's amazing here. What a success story. So we've talked about four channels here in order, crowdfunding, direct website, Amazon sales, and retail. There's one other bonus category that you talked about. Let's call it the fifth evolution, which is specialty channels. Talk a bit about that. So this one is really very much demand-based. So what we've seen as we've grown, we're starting to get more and more interest. I mean, our business is direct to consumer. That's, you know, our primary aim is to attract families to purchase Yoto. But we've seen more and more 
teachers and schools and educators and other educational institutes buy our products. So these are just coming onto our site and then they email us saying, can you supply us a hundred units and can you do an invoice to do credit terms, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a new channel that's emerged for us. And it's something that we are starting to dig into more and more. We had one interesting anecdote recently where there was a military base inside the US. It was so big, this military base that it has multiple schools on it for the families that live on the base and they wanted to buy our products and we had to sign some specific forms to say we weren't using huawei products and all kinds of things that we had to you know adhere to to meet the regulations to supply so interesting for us um, we also have a lot of homeschoolers in the us as well using our products that's amazing because what is really happening here is a snowball effect is is occurring of all these different channels starting to compound with the other verticals and other channels to allow for new sales channels and new opportunities that you guys hadn't even have thought of that really just came to you over time. Now that you're hitting a certain amount of scale and a certain amount of notoriety within the industry. Yeah. I mean, we, we had thought about schools, but we were really put off trying to even think about schools because it Everyone we spoke to said it was incredibly fragmented. Schools have no money. You don't know whether you're selling to the school or even or if you're selling to the parent teacher association or the local authority in the UK or the state or that, you know, all of these things and all the regulations stuff you have to go through. So we kind of said, oh, we'll go to schools much later on. But we started to see schools actually organically buying and it's become significant for us now. So we are putting more energy into it in 2023. So many of the amazing pieces of advice here really come down to a strong ability for you to listen to feedback that was coming in. It seems that at each of the verticals, you learn some things and you're constantly re-improving both the product and your marketing channels, even including this specialty channel, sales channel, which wasn't really on your radar as a primary option, but you heard different people saying different things about the value that you're adding. And all of a sudden now a new channel has emerged because you continue to have your ear to the ground about what people are saying about your product, about your business, about your marketing, about different sales channels that are opening up. That's a great point. That whole feedback loop that you have from customers has been crucial to our success so far. You know, and we're still just getting going, but we have a very active, for example, Facebook community. I think there's 23,000 people on the Facebook community. So it's a decent percentage of the base. We were speaking to them all the time and running surveys. We're getting feedback. They call us out if we've done something bad, if we've run out of stock or something, they call us out. So they're keeping us honest, but we learn so much from them and they, they're they part of helping us build a great product and great service. Ben, much appreciated for all your words of wisdom today. And thanks for sharing the different sales channels and the evolution of those channels as your hardware product grows from its infancy on crowdfunding all the way through to the retailers and beyond. So again, appreciate you being on the show today. Kevin, an absolute pleasure. It's, it's been great to speak to you. Hopefully we can speak again in another couple of years. Sounds great. Talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo, and Macodesign design and invent the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups small manufacturers and inventors thanks for joining and see you next time